Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the 60 Cents Podcast. I'm your host Lucas with Jonathan. And before we record this episode, we do want to take a quick moment and give our thoughts and prayers to Dejan Maloyevich's family, as well as the Golden State Warriors, where he was an assistant at. He died of complications of a heart attack. He was only in his mid-40s, and that that is a terrible loss for the NBA family as a whole, despite us not being... Golden State Warriors fans, we are NBA fans, and the NBA, as you guys know, is a family, tight-knit family unit, and uh, definitely nobody wants that to happen. So thoughts and prayers, for sure. That being said, first off, I just want to say, I feel like I'm doing pretty good in our fantasy basketball league. Now, I might have let one or two slip just because I'm not great at always setting up my lineups, but uh, I'm doing pretty good so far. What about you, Jonathan? I think you're in the four seed, and I'm hanging around the five, so only one of us is going to make the playoffs. But at this yeah. moment, it appears you are. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I've let one or two slip, but, um, you know, Joel's also been out a lot, and he's my my main ba- uh, bell cow. So that being said, we're going to talk about Joel because we got two games, back a back-to-back. First game, Monday night against the Houston Rockets. Joel comes back, and... Let's just talk about this. They the Sixers won 124 to 115. People that were out includes DeAnthony Melton, Robert Covington, Daniel House. Did I miss any? I feel like I missed. Is Mo ba- was Mo Bamba out? Because I Mo sure. Bamba and Jaden Springer. Oh, they were both out too. My bad. Let me put that in there. Yeah. Anyway, so let me ask you, what is the good in this game? So the good, obviously, is having them beat back. But the, what comes from having them beat back is the shooting, which is what I've been harping on. We shot 48.2 from field and 48.4 from three, even higher, and 85% from the free throw line. He 
creates so much space for other people to be able to shoot 49% from three. Obviously, that's not going to keep up. That's not like sustainable, but he just creates space. Uh, Houston's a good defensive team. I mean, I think they're top five in points allowed, and it didn't look like it this game because Ime uh, usually has them locked down. But Joel just cleared space for everyone and dominated. I mean, mm-hmm. what did you see the good as? I mean, yeah, you go to the shooting here. Maxi, uh, let's go to the individual because we've been harping on Maxi's, you know, lack of, you know, elite production when Joel's out. But when he's back, when he's back, like Maxi shot a slight shade under 50% from the field, went six of 10 from the three point line, 27.7 assist, uh, was plus 19, which was the second highest plus minus on the team. First highest, uh, uh, weirdly goes to Marcus Morris. Don't even know how that happened. Uh, I only had eight points, five rebounds in 14 minutes. That's pretty solid. But I want to talk about Joel here, and we'll, we'll definitely talk about more. But I, you know what this game kind of signified to me? That Joel, I mean, I know he won an MVP last year, but he is an elite player. And I know that sounds like kind of dumb to say, but just hear me out. Because the true elite players, the special players – not only dominate the game, but they make everybody else around them better. And I think this yep. season is the first season. And I'm not saying that Joel didn't do it at times in the past, but this is the first season where you can genuinely see how much better he makes the other players. Not just the team play better, but the other players on our team play better. Does yep. that make sense? Yeah, it absolutely does. Yeah, that that that's you know that's a good. I mean, Joel had 41 and 10, three assists, solid game. You know, shout out to Marcus Morris. Shout out to Dan. Uh, oh, wait, some Daniel House did play in this game. He didn't play in the last. House didn't play in the second game yet. Yeah, that's right. I got that mixed up. That's my bad, folks. Anyway, uh, Paul Reed went back to the best role that he's in. You know, about 15, 16 minutes off the bench. Had 17 minutes, seven points, two, uh, four rebounds, a block. That's what you need. Uh, Pat Bev played kind of a lot of minutes. Honestly, kind of surprised by that, but. At 11.6 assists. And we had a surprise Quirkmaz sh- sighting in this game. Six minutes. Yeah, they need it. He had to play. Yeah. I mean, they, they're pretty depleted there, that's for sure. Uh, Kenya, KJ Martin also made an appearance, too, but didn't really make an impact there. That that being said, what is the bad for you in this game? The bad. Hmm. That's kind of tough. I think it's probably letting up 115 to the Rockets. They're not a team who's known for that. I mean, but they're, they are an elite defensive team, and they're no scrubs on offense anymore. No, they're not. And they beat us on the glass, which isn't great to see. I mean, do you think, like, with who they have, Shangun and, and like, Whitmore, Mandale, like, those guys shouldn't really be beating us on the boards too much. All in all, though, I don't think there was, like, too much out of the way to scream bad here. It just kind of – it's going to take a little bit to continue to get cohesiveness. But the team looked really good. I mean, if if I'm nitpicking here, and I will because, you know, we kind of have to, right, with a, with a game like this, I want more out of Kelly Oubre and Tobias Harris. Kelly had yeah. eight top shot attempts. Tobias had seven. But, uh, to, Kelly wasn't super efficient. Tobias wasn't much better. You just kind of want more than, like, 17 points combined between the two of them, right? Like when Joel's back in the lineup, like you, you would yeah. like at least like what twelve points from Kelly, twelve to fourteen, and then like another like sixteen to eighteen points from Tobias. That's that's what I think would balance the offense a little bit more. 
It's not like, you know, Joel and Maxie. I mean, Joel had 21 attempts plus 17 free, 17 free throw. Gosh, that is yeah, crazy. Got to the line. Yeah. And then I guess, you know, Joel's going to dominate. But like Maxie only took 18 shots and five free throws. It's not like they, they were all ball dominant. And like, you know, who's scoring when Joel or Maxie's off on the bench? You know, like, I don't know. That's just a nitpick, though. So who who's your player of the game in this one? It's Joel here getting 41 and 10 in his first yeah. game back. I mean, he just looked really good out there and didn't look like he missed a step. I mean, he played one game since December 22nd, uh, that Knicks game, and mm-hmm. he, he looked he looked good. So he's my uh, player of the game. How about you? Yeah, I'm going to go Joel here. I mean, it's tempted to go, uh, you know, Maxi, but yeah, it's Joel, 41 and 10. Like you said, it's pretty, pretty darn good. Okay, now now's the main game that you know most of the fans are waiting to list, hear us talk about here. Go ahead, take it away, Jonathan. Yep, Denver Nuggets uh, at home against Philadelphia 76ers. Joel did play both games of the back-to-back, which I think a few people were surprised by coming off the injury, obviously. But if you, you knew he kind of had to play this one, having missed the last game against Jokic last year. Mm. So, Sixers won by five points, 126-121. Tell me what you thought was good in this game. Pat Beverly's postseason smack talk on Jamal Murray. <laughs> For those that didn't hear, somebody asked, uh, I forget who, it might have been on his podcast, I'm not sure, um, asked Pat Bev, like, what does he have to do to shut down Jamal Murray? Murray only ha- had 17 points on 16 shots, by the way, 10 assists, minus five. Pat Bev said nothing. It's just a normal day. That is I love that. so disrespectful, but I love it. Because, like, look, we're only going to see them one more time on the 27th of January unless we see them in the NBA Finals, which would be, by the way, just want to point put this out here. Sixers-Nuggets NBA Finals is what the the NBA should be hoping for because yeah. two marquee, the two best players in the NBA. I, think, I don't even think it's close anymore, but we'll talk about that in a minute because I'm sure you'll bring that up. But the good for me in this game, obviously, Joel Embiid, not only outscoring Nikola Jokic, he outplaymade him in this game. Ten assists to three. Like, usually that would be the reverse. Like, you know, Jokic would have ten assists, Joel would have three. No. Joel came out, was looking the pass, looking the highlight, only had three turnovers. Look, I mean, I'm not loving the seven rebounds, and that did break his streak of 10 re- 30 points, 10 rebounds, but he still is on streak for most double double 30-point double-doubles with Wilt. Only Will has four longer streaks than Joel's 17 right now, by the way. Yeah, he's dominant. Purely Dom- dominant. I mean, uh, absolutely dominant. So, that I mean, Joel's the easy answer here for me. I'll let you take the, the harder answers. Go ahead. Well, I'm going to go back to the shooting. I mean, we said, I said 48% from the field, which is good. That is a good shooting night. They went 56.6 from the field. That was just mm-hmm. – that's elite and going 48 again from three. I, I know I said it's not sustainable. I, I don't, I really don't think it is, but back to back games of just drilling from the three point line. Maxi again, he was six from 10, then he went four from nine. So he's like almost 10 of 19, or he is 10 to 19 in the two games. You have Beverly hitting two of like two of his three shots are from three and he knocks down two of them. Like this is just when you have the space and can knock down threes, it really just helps you win. So again, I love seeing the spacing on this game, but what was the bad for you? I mean, look, you got Tobias Harris, who had 24 on 10 shots. You have Maxi 25 on 20 shots. And then you had Kelly with 11 on 9 shots, okay? So, I mean, if there's a bad, 
And I don't really think there is a bad. But if, if I'm nitpicking here yet again, it's it's going to be the bench scoring here. Only about, what is it, about 17 points between the, yeah, 17 points between four players. Really three players, because Korkmaz only played for like four minutes in that game and didn't score, didn't even attempt a shot. So oh, could use wait, a little bit wait. more more bench scoring. I got a bad for you. When I was watching this game, the announcers couldn't stop saying it. And Nick Nurse, too. The offensive rebounding from Denver was insane. It was literally like that, we didn't that's have a any- fair, that's a that's a good point. Yeah, Nikola Jokic had Jokic, eleven uh, on his own. Eleven, and that was Nick Nurse's pre fourth quarter interview. He like I think it was uh, Ali Laforce was asking him, and he just was like, I mean, we're just letting him shoot and get his own misses and shoot again. It's crazy. I was like, yeah, he has eleven offensive rebounds on his own. They had sixteen total. We had five. So. We need to clean up the rebounding. Also, it was like, wasn't it like 78, 78 at halftime? The, there was it, it was, it was a very high defense. scoring, no defensive. I mean, like the, you talk about our scoring. They shot 50-41 from the field, field in three-point yeah. line. So it was like, yeah. we didn't play much better defense than they did. No, we didn't. So I definitely think def- the offensive rebounding was a concern. But, uh, yeah, so what do you got player of the game? I mean, it got to be Joel Embiid, right? Out dueling, you know, Nikola Jokic yet again, 41, 10, and 7, near triple double. And I mean, like, look, you, like, Tobias and Maxi both had great games, but it's, it's like, it's Joel. Like, I don't even know what the, the question is. Like, I mean, I know the question, but like, is it really even a question here? No, look, I mean, I knew you were going to take Embiid because that is the answer. But Tobias Harris needs to get some love. 24 points on 10 shots. Are you kidding me? 24 on 10. And six free throws. But, yeah. Yeah. 24 points on 10 shots, plus 13 highest on the team. He was – Joel, at the beginning of the fourth quarter, I, I don't know if it was tied. I think it was close to tied. And Joel was sitting on the bench until 7.30. And in those four and a half minutes, Tobias knocked down like three or four huge shots. He was clearly taking the aggressor. Even though Max was in, he was proven to be the offensive player. So I'm going to give it to Tobias, even though I know the answer is Embiid. I mean, that's fine. Look, but let's let's talk about this a little bit more. Because post-game, you know, interview for Joel with Ali LaForge again. And she asked him what he was telling Jokic in that little exchange that they had after the game. He just told him that he was the best player in, in, in the world or, on, you know, in the NBA, whatever. How do you feel about Joel Embiid just won an MVP playing like he should win a second one, saying that about Nikola Jokic. All right, so when he first said it, I was like, wow, humbled. Like, he's had so much growth. Good for him. Like, he just dominated him clearly, like, whatever. But then I heard Shaq in the post game being like, you can't say that. Like, you got to just That's say what it. The, you know, I, I was listening to NBA Today, too. The players said they can't. he can't say that. Yeah, and Shaq immediately changed my mind. Like, I thought he was being graceful, humble, but it's like, no. Shaq said that Embiid should have straight up come out and been like, no, I'm the best player in the league. You saw it tonight. And maybe he didn't need to be that brash about it, but uh, I don't – thinking back on it, I do not love how he, uh, how that went about. I – okay, we know Joel doesn't just say stuff to say stuff, right? There's a purpose to it. He's calculated. He's calculated. So I'm going to trust that Joel Embiid said this for a reason that's more calculated than anything else. I I think, this is just me speculating here, do, do not aggregate me, listeners, but I suspect that Joel is telling himself that Jokic is the best player as self-motivation. I think it's self-motivation to make sure that he does his best and everything possible that he can to make sure that he gets out of the second round 
of the playoffs. So you think it's him telling him telling himself that, being like, "Man, I played against him. He's still the best player yeah. in the world. I got to get better." Yeah. yeah, and I think he's putting it out there in the ethos so that we can discuss it and try to encourage him to just be like, "No, you have to think about that." It's kind of like a self reinforcement thing, but using external factors. Does that make sense? Yeah, I can see it. I I mean, look, I could be completely wrong, and maybe he was just trying to be whatever. But like. If I know the Joel that I think I know, he he did this for a reason. Now that might not be the reason, but I there's a there's an underlining reason. There is. You're right. Whatever it is. Now maybe Shaq Shaq's might be right. He was a player, but at the end of the day, maybe that's not what Joel needs. I mean, we've heard Joel do that in the past, right? Has it worked out? Uh, no. Okay. So maybe Joel's trying something new. Like I said, maybe it's self-motivation, maybe it's something else. But I, I think it's worth a shot. I'm fine with it. I'm fine with him. Like, like if that's what it is, I just, like, after I heard Shaq say it, I, I definitely changed my opinion. Yeah. So that being said, we got to move on now because – We got news. We have news. The Indiana Pacers have traded for Pascal Siakam in exchange for three first-round picks, Chris Brown, and, I mean, not Chris Brown, Bruce Brown, not Chris Brown. <laughs> Definitely not No, he's not, not in Chris the NBA. Brown. Nope. Nope. Oh, gosh. Okay. I'm going to stop myself from making a joke. Uh, anyway, so, and I forgot to mention this. Did you know this was actually a three-team trade? I heard it was two separate. I mean, like, I, don't I still know. think it's two separate, like one led to the other. I don't think all three pieces were needed in order for it to pass or whatever. I mean, well, let's just break down the two main things. Pelicans got involved somehow, guys, and a second round pick and what's his name? Uh, Karis Lewis Jr. Second round pick went to Indiana. Karis Lewis Jr. went to the Raptors. I don't know if did did Pelicans even get anything back? I think they did. I think it was – I don't know if it was second-round picks. But, yeah, it was not the key part of this. Yeah, trade. yeah, yeah. That's small potatoes. Pelicans, whatever. They didn't. They they weren't high on Kara Lewis Jr. They got a lot of other young talent that, that's clearly better. Maybe he'll get a shot in Toronto, who's on the rebuilding path now. We'll see. But let's talk about the Pacers and the Raptors here. So the Raptors got – Bruce Brown plus three first-round picks for Pascal Siakam. Let's break this down. Let's grade this first. So what grade do you give the Toronto Raptors in this deal? I think for where they're going, I give them a B plus. I think that, I mean, Pascal Siakam's on an expiring contract. Clearly, they said leading up to this, there have been discussions of like him wanting to go to a team where he would likely sign a max extension, and obviously the Pacers can probably do that. Um, and the Raptors got back, like you said, Bruce Brown, Keira Lewis, uh, some in, involved somehow, Jordan Nuora, and three firsts. So like Jordan Nuora, no, Jordan Nuora. Okay, I didn't see that. Okay, so he got in. Yeah, there. so that's good. So they got two rotation. I mean, Bruce Brown's an NBA champion, six man. Uh, and then yeah, so they got two decent players, three first round picks. Maybe Bruce Brown will get traded or bought out. And I, I mean, you're restarting with R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel quickly, like. You got a young team and draft picks, so clearly they're turning this franchise around. I uh, I'll give them a B plus. What about you? I'm going to give them an A minus. Actually, I'm going to give them a little bit higher grade, and here's why. Pascal's on an expiring contract. So is OG Ananobi. Essentially, you got two young players, granted high level young players, plus only 
what was it? A second round pick, right? Yeah. Second round pick. And you also had to give up Precious Sachua, who was a young player, and Malachi Flynn, and also a young player. So, like, that was an even draw. But, like, you got Pascal Siakam, who's older, on an expiring deal. Like, there's no if it's expiring. It's definitely expiring. And you were able to get that for Bruce Brown, high-level six-man. Okay, fair, fair. And two fringe rotation guys. Granted, I like the upside of both of those guys, but they're fringe rotation guys. And three first-round picks. Now, here's the. this is the thing that probably saves Indiana on this trade. Two of them will be cashed out in this draft because one of them is an unprotected Indiana pick. The other one's like the lesser of like three or four different teams. I, I forget the teams that are involved. But like Jazz, less, Clippers, Rockets, Thunder. See, you know more about this than I. Maybe I, maybe I should have let you uh, go with this. But point being is that two of those three picks get cashed out in this. So they're they're the the you know the Raptors are trying to rebuild fast, right? And yeah. then the sec, sec, the last pick is a top four protected in 2026, right? So they're not losing that pick. And honestly, that almost makes me want to give them a lower grade because, like, I wouldn't give up a highly uh, a lightly protected pick for a guy that might not be back. But I mean, I'm sure they probably got some assurances that Pascal would want to resign if they offer the max, which they can. They have the cap space for it. So with that in mind. In, like I said, Raptors, I give them an A minus for for the haul that they got for a guy that's an expiring that was going to leave anyway. And then I'm going to give the Pacers. Well, let me ask you this: What do you give the Pacers for this trade? Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers: Hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So I'm giving the Pacers an A. Ooh, so okay. it, it's, it is contingent on what you're saying, though. But it is because I, I genuinely think he's resigning. I heard, I think it was the Kings were trying to get involved with the yes, Mavericks. Yes, they, they were, and yeah. he. And he was like very adamantly about not resigning. So teams were gauging their interest of if he will resign, if they're going to trade. So I'm going on that assumption. Assuming Pascal Siakam resigns, this is exactly what they need. Like Boston's in their own tier in the East. And then you got Milwaukee and Philly a little below. And right below that, you got the Knicks coming. And if the Pacers are this team that we saw in the in-season tournament and the team who's nine and one in their last 10 games, then this team is in that Knicks like four or five area trying to push for the three two spot in the East. And who knows if you get favorable matchups? I think Pascal Siakam's was, <coughs> excuse me, he was clearly one of the biggest trade assets out there. I think he fits extremely well with Tyrese Halberton. He can stretch the floor. You're not looking at like Joel Embiid or, or I don't know, like Julius Randle, where like the big men are kind of more stars on the team. I think having a guard fits very well with Pascal. So, 
foreseeing that this is like going uh gonna be more than one year and you got Rick Carlisle having this team overperform, I give him an A minus. What about you? I'm I'm gonna give the Pacers a B. Like okay. I said, they gave up a 2026 pick. Not loving that. Yeah. But they did make most of this this year, so it's a one swing thing. And I like the fit. Don't get me wrong. The fit's fine. The fit's good. Like they, they, they. But here's the thing: this is the type of trade you make if you're trying to like if you're one player away from winning a championship, right? We both agree yeah. that they're not championship teams even after this trade. Yeah, and so like it's a nice move. It makes them better. It makes them you know quantifiably better, but. Does it really change the end result of like they're they're not in the play in anymore? Congratulations, you're not in the play in anymore. But does this? I mean, granted, like this could end up working out long term, but like they need to make more moves in order for this to really make a difference, right? So for me, I'm just I'm okay about it. It's cool, nice move. What are you gonna do next? You know, like what what's yeah. gonna happen next? Because like you got Tyrese Halliburton, Miles Turner is a perfect center to go next to pascal because he can stretch the floor pascal's not the best shooter in the world like who's your is naismith really going to be your small forward like he's six five six six not really the i mean he's a good defender but not like a lockdown guy okay three-point shooter and then then you have what ben matherin who's wildly inconsistent and then you have buddy healed who we know his limitations like i don't know look they got a lot of good role players i just feel like they're missing a lot of other stuff that's fair yeah that's that's just my opinion on it like i said b i feel like it's a b i feel like it's a b like they they i feel like they sh- it's a good roster bill but it's not a championship move for them which kind of brings us to you mentioned it already um how do you think this does impact the eastern conference playoffs yeah so i mean like you said they're no longer a playing team i mean i mean right now they're tied for sixth with the knicks six seven so they'd be on that border of the play-in but they're a game behind the heat and the Cavs. i think this clearly makes them the fourth best team like i know that's not saying a lot but i think they'll jump those two teams i think they're still probably better than the knicks and uh i mean they're four games back the sixers we still got more than half the season to go but i think they'll probably settle in around the four seed that'll give them a home playoff game that might not be something they had before and I mean, I know you said that, like, they they you do this when you're like one piece away. But I mean, in January they've beaten the Nuggets, the Bucks, and the Celtics. So in like the last 17 days, they've beaten three of the best teams in the league, three of the teams that would stand in your way in the postseason. So I'm not saying they're going to be like dominant or make any noise. I just think it makes the East a little deeper with teams who could could uh, push into the second round. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. So I guess for me, I look at the East. Right now, you know, Boston's number one. I'd say I put us number two, even though Boston, you know, so I just, I can't trust Milwaukee. That defense is just nah. The Sixers are two in my book. Milwaukee's three. Number four is the Knicks. Number five, I still would trust Miami more than I would trust the Pacers in a seven-game series. That's just me, because, you know, like, Jaime Hawkins is coming on strong. Tyler Hero is looking great. Jimmy Butler's now back. Bams, if, you know what? If Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic weren't in the league, like, Bam would be, like, considered, like, an MVP candidate. Yeah. Like, in, my, yeah. in all honesty. So, 
let's let's give Bam his flowers here. He deserves an All NBA spot this year for sure. And the nice thing is, it's positionless now, so we'll see how that works out. Anyway, my point is, I just I see them as number six. I st- okay. Like, they're not like. I, you know, they leapfrog Cleveland. Congratulations, Cleveland's a wreck right now. They might blow it up. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? Like, I just, there's not enough. Like, they just need more. I don't know. That's just me. But does this trade hurt the Sixers in the in the uh, play in the uh, trade market at all? I don't think so. I think that. I mean, we knew Toronto had Toronto and Chicago had the biggest assets that they might be looking to trade. I don't think Siakam was someone that was going to come here anyway. Um, I think it just starts putting everyone's finger on the trigger a little bit, being like, okay, we got to potentially make a move because we're starting to see players go. I, I just think it might make Daryl Morey kind of speed it up. We have, what, eight? We have like tw- exa- almost three, like three weeks in a day until the trade deadline, and to see – OG like in December and then this in uh, early January. I just think that maybe some pieces might start toppling. I don't think it affects us in the trade market though. What about you? Uh, I mean, it does make me want to be a little bit more trigger happy now. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I I mean, look, I've essentially talked myself into Zach Levine and, you know, I've not been a big Zach Levine fan, but beggars can't be choosers at this point. And I still, I don't think Tobias is enough as a third star. I think we need to get an, a guy that, you know, you can rely on a little bit more. I mean, I don't know. Look, it's it's tough. It's tough. But I, I don't think it necessarily hurts because, like I, like you said, it's they weren't going to be in the market for Pascal Siakam anyway. So, Or they shouldn't have yeah. been. So now it's time for our last segment around the NBA, right, John? Yeah. You, I'm going to let you go first. Uh, You're going to let we, me we, go first? Don't let me go first. Yeah. You go first. Gentlemen first. All right. All right. I mean, we talked a lot about uh, around the NBA on Sunday, so I don't have too much. The one thing is, I think it was since we've talked last, but uh, Damian Lillard, that Dame time shot. Yes. Oh, man, dude. I, I saw, like, it's it's almost out of thing. It's not, like, inevitable, but you know when, like, you see the ball go through. They got like what two, three seconds, and Dame's like running a hook to come get it. It's like you know it's going to go in before they inbound the ball. You know he's going to do something, and that shot was deep. He little sidestep drilled it. Uh, I thought that was amazing, uh, and that was over the Pacers actually. But they're yeah. missing Halberton. Um, then oh, I just wanted to when we were talking about plus minus, it reminded me. I don't know if you saw. So do you know what the lowest plus minus is in NBA history? A number. No, what is it? 57. I don't Ooh. know the guy off the top of my head. I, I I saw it earlier today. But we got a minus 56 this week. Um, do you want to take a guess? Is it a player or a team? We're talking about a player, it's right? A, one player got a minus 56. Um, think about what game there could have been a minus 56. I mean, I know there was a historical blowout. I just can't remember who played in those games. Tell me, because I don't Th- remember. Thunder beat the Trailblazers 139-77, to 62-point blowout. That is correct. That is the game I'm talking about. Okay, okay. Let me guess now that I have that. Okay, I, can I get two guesses? Go for it. Okay, first one, Jeremy Grant? No. Scoot Henderson? Yes, Scoot Henderson, minus 56. Ooh, ooh. Scoot. Tough look for the young kid. 
Um, I mean, he did but, have. I saw that he had like a thirty point double double recently. So good for him. But he he has definitely hit that rookie wall, which is surprising considering that he played in the G League last year. Yeah. Um. Uh. All right. Well, the, yeah. So the other thing I wanted to talk about out west, um, the Golden State Warriors, right? So uh, Draymond's okay. coming back. I don't know if you're listening to ESPN on like the on Monday when Draymond was coming back. It was like, all right, he's got it. They're they're gonna figure it out. They're gonna turn it around. Give it one last go. They're playing the Grizzlies. They're going to dominate them. That was like genuinely the talk. You and I both know. You love talking about like we know the Grizzlies are. Yeah, they're, they're trash. Yeah. All right. Before you even get to like what the end result is, the Grizzlies shot 37% from the field, 37% from three point line. That is awful. Both of those are awful. Guess what? They're they beat the won. Warriors 116 to 107. The Warriors shot 32% from three. So not great. Uh, but 50%, almost 50% from the field. So, yeah, this seemed like a gimme. You're getting Draymond back. You're playing a trash team in the Grizzlies, and they got rocked. So um, I think they are going to make a pretty big trade before the deadline. Maybe Clay Thompson, maybe Andrew Wiggins. I, but I don't see this team looking like this after the deadline. No, and that kind of brings me to my next point here. Um, that brings me to my first point because you brought it up. First off, yeah. Draymond coming back, he got booed. You know, kind of stinks, but you know what? You you get what you get, bud. You 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 act like a fool, you get treated like a fool, and that's that's the case. But not to take away from his Hall of Fame career because it is a Hall of Fame career. That being said, let me just say this. I think in ESPN, you've probably heard them talk about it. it's time to break up the the core. It's time to yes. It's time. Like it's just the energy's not good, the vibes aren't good. I think you Clay's trying to play for a bigger contract and he's just so in his head. And I'm not and I don't I don't think that Clay's necessarily washed, but I think his no. time in Golden State's done. Like he can't succeed there anymore. So I think you need to trade Clay. And I think Draymond could use a fresh start start. And in this kind of brings me to where what if you trade Draymond to the Dallas Mavericks? Does that make them a favorite? Does it make the Mavericks a favorite? Yeah, think about it. Having Draymond, I, dude, with Luka. You're, you're putting you're putting Draymond Green and Kyrie Irving in the same locker room. I mean, look. First off, if it doesn't work out, it would be fantastic soap opera to watch. But think about on the court. Think about how Draymond can run the offense for both. Take more us playmaking responsibility off of Luca's hands. Let Draymond anchor the defense. Let him playmake for him and and Kyrie. Now, I don't know if Luka would be okay with the ball coming out of his hands even more, but. I don't just, know, man. I, I think that they, they're missing a third star, and I think Draymond could be that guy. I think he's a better fit than Clay because I don't think Clay has anything left. At least not. Okay. Well, no. Let, let me rephrase that because I just said it, I don't think he's done, but I don't think that would be good. I think that would be too much pressure for Clay being a yeah. third star. So, I don't know. Maybe Draymond, they're not good. Maybe Draymond with the Lakers would be good. I don't know. I just want to see Draymond go somewhere and be like that missing piece for another team. I think that's what he could be. Not for the Sixers, though. We don't need him. No, Keep him we don't need that. Uh, maybe, you know, no. Defensively, that's one word. I, well, I was like, maybe... No, they they wouldn't be able to make the contracts work with the Bucks. That that would just be a weird fit. But maybe you know what, you know what I think Draymond Green needs. 
He needs some heat culture. Yeah, I don't think they want that though. I you know what? You never know. I mean they I mean they took on Jimmy. They've taken on big personalities before Shaq, Jimmy, uh, LeBron James. Not granted, not the same as the first two, but still, like big personalities, like they've handled that before. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I just, I don't know, I, but I, I think the point is, it's like very clear that um, the only person who's safe is Steph Curry. Like that's yeah. actually like a serious thing. So well, I mean, and that's uh, what Woj that, said that they're listening to trades for everybody not named Steph Curry. So yeah. I, you know, everybody's available. That That's going to be something interesting to monitor there. Besides that, I do want to talk about the Lakers here for a second. They went back to their original starting five. They've won one recently, so we'll see how that goes. You're, the Jazz keep on rolling. Don't, don't take my – yes, I wanted that. I wanted you, that. You, were, you went first. You could. You should have brought it up you when said, you went Yeah, first. but you, hopped, you piggybacked on the Warriors, and then you went okay, in. Okay, fine, fine, fine. Go take, take, take Utah. Right. Go ahead. 15, uh, just quick, 15 of 19, last two months, potentially the hottest team. Obviously, the game with the Warriors delayed. Must watch. This is not an exaggeration. Must watch TV. Thunder, Jazz tomorrow at 9 p.m. I'm going to be firing that up. That's going to be two of the best teams in the West right now. I know two the Jazz of the best sitting, teams in the West? The Jazz are sitting in ninth, but they are 15 and four in the last two months. I think, I, this, I think the term you want to use is two of the hottest young teams. No, I think that no. would be more appropriate. Well, than Chris since. sat on this pot. Chris sat on this podcast and slowly tried to turn it into an OKC Thunder podcast. I am turning this podcast into a Utah Jazz. No, podcast. no, no. That no, is no, my no, team. No. That is my Western Conference team. And, and, sleeping. And, and Jonathan, did you notice that Chris isn't here anymore? No, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> That's <laughs> a good one. I like that. That's a good one. Yeah. But, All right, uh, now, look, yes, I mean, that was it. I just wanted to hit the Jazz. I mean, the. I mean, look. The Jazz are definitely a fun team. They're not going to be trading anybody. I, well, I mean, let me rephrase. I think they're listening for it, but I don't think they're going to trade just to trade. I think they're going to. Why aren't they buyers? They could be. But, like, you know, is there somebody out here that makes them significantly better? I don't know. I don't think so, right? So, like, why? Jazz anyway. upset Thunder tomorrow. Yeah, well, is that what you're calling Jazz upset Thunder? Well, the Thunder yeah. just got smacked down by the Clippers too. That was a that was a good game. Yeah. Uh, besides that, the other thing that I wanted to talk about here is the Chicago Bulls. They they've been doing all right. Like they're back in the playoffs now. They're they're doing all right. I don't know, man. It's just we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Look, I. You going on that rant kind of ruined my group. But you had the I, Lakers. I wanted to hear what oh, you the Lakers, about the Lakers. That's right. Thank you. Yeah. So the Lakers went back to their original starting five. They've been doing better. I don't know if the Lakers make a trade. Uh, we'll see. But I think that you got to stick with the group that got it done. We'll see what happens for sure. But just we'll we'll see. Look, look, we'll see. I I think they're going to make a trade, right? Uh, look, we'll see. Like I said, I want the Washington. I want like I want these tanking teams like Washington, Detroit, Charlotte to really give up their like veteran role players. Like Terry Rozier would make a big difference on most teams. I'm honestly surprised that he's not getting more traction. Like I don't, I don't get it. Like if I'm the Sixers, like I mean maybe maybe don't bring in Terry because he would expect to start. I don't know, but like a team that's missing a point guard or like a point guard away, like say. 
I don't know, Miami could trade for Terry if they offer a pick in, like, Kyle Lowry. That's easy swap, right? And then, yeah. like, you know, maybe maybe Orlando goes to with Terry Rozier. I don't know. Like, maybe I'm looking here. Let's see other teams that could use an upgrade at point guard. I mean, maybe Utah. You're talking about Utah making move. They don't have, like, a clear-cut, like, you know, point guard, like, the guy there. I mean, even the Lakers could make a trade for Terry, right? They could, yeah. Yeah, look, I mean, Terry Rozier would be an upgrade over D'Angelo Russell, that's for sure. So, like, yeah, you know, like, teams like that. I don't know if Chicago... Chicago's trying to find a reason not to tank. And I think they found their reason, which is a shame because I would really want DeAndre, I mean, Andre Drummond on this team, on the Sixers. But anyway, that's that's all I got. I don't got too much. Yeah, we covered a lot on Sunday, so I'll uh, I'll play us out. But yes, watch Sixers games and watch, if you got League Pass, anyone listening, watch Jazz Thunder tomorrow. It will be exciting. Um, with that said, we appreciate our listeners. Thank you so much for listening to us. You can get us on Spotify. Google Play, Apple, anywhere else that you listen to all your favorite podcasts. And please continue to read our work over at the Sixer Cents. we got a lot of grade the trade potential articles going up, so see if you like what we're pitching on the website. Um, as always, thank you again, and until next time, go Sixers. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.